1: lifestyle choices, specifically the food we eat, the chemicals we're exposed to, and how active we are, as well as our stress levels, not only can play a critical part in the other half that isn't genetic, they can actually influence the genetics. They can actually have an effect so you can further reduce your risk.
2: Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. On today's show, we'll learn about the natural approach to longevity. We'll hear how to treat a torn meniscus. We'll discuss the benefits of early detection through proactive health management. And lastly, we'll discuss your gut health. But first, a little bit of business. Today's sponsor is Purely Natural. Purely Natural. Joel Thuna is a master herbalist and general manager of Purely Natural. He strives to improve the quality of natural products in the market and passes along his knowledge of herbal remedies through lectures and articles. Joel wrote a thoughtful and insightful article about aging gracefully for the June issue of Tonic, and he's here today to discuss it.
1: Welcome back to the show. Always my pleasure to be here.
2: So I've got to ask you a question. I just turned 53. Which I told you about off air. I know. It's crazy. I'm telling everybody (laughs) 72, so they think that I look even better than I do. You
1: look great for any
2: age. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you very much. But is 50 really the new 40? Am I really in my 40s now?
1: Well, yes. And I'll put caveats on that. As my co-author, Dr. Galant, is turning 50 this year, and I'm not that far behind. No, no, you're not there yet. Way close. I'm I'm a lot closer than I want to believe. Right. I'm happy to say that 50 is actually the new 40. At 50, you can still be very active, vibrant, productive, and case in point, around the time this show airs, I'll actually be suiting up and along with thousands of people, many of them over 50, will be biking 25 kilometers for charity in downtown Toronto in the Ride for Heart. Fantastic. And if you go back 100 years... No one did that at 50.
2: No, I can tell you right now, I can't run anymore, but that's a knee and ankle issue. But I can lift more weight now than I ever could have, even in my 20s and 30s. Which is great. Yeah. I mean, you, you think of you reach a certain age, your muscle mass starts depleting. It is not so. If you keep up with your health, you can continue to grow your strength. I mean- at a reasonable pace of Well, it's your 60s and 70s without losing any muscle mass. Definitely.
1: Well, the old adage, if you don't use it, you lose it, is right. true. And that's for your muscles, it's for your brain, it's for everything. Right. Your body is designed to do stuff.
2: Exactly. You know, even saying that, we can eat well, we can get a good night's sleep, and we can exercise. But a lot of how we age, I
1: think, is still tied
2: to our DNA, isn't it?
1: Yes and no. First thing to think about is some of the good things about age. Sure. Let's start there. Wisdom. Normally, by the time we're in our 50s, we're financially secure to some extent. We know where we are, what we want to be, what we want to do. And we don't have to deal with a lot of the struggles of youth. Can you say millennials? Yeah. (laughs) We know where we are. We're in a good place physically and emotionally. There's something really strong to be said about that. Of course. That grounding is a good foundation for everything else.
2: Right. If you don't have to worry about those issues, it makes it easier to sort of deal with the collateral issues that, that you know, for the day-to-day stuff. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Yep. Where the doubt comes in with most people is the images we see on TV and in social media. Everything there is always youth, flawless looks, complete and utter, like bikini body, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that, okay, when you're 20 is attainable. And a little later, it's, it's really not realistic anymore because you've been through life. Right. Right. Once you accept that you're not going to look like a 20-year-old, and the advantage is you're not going to think like a 20-year-old either, then you can start moving on to the rest and enjoy healthy aging. Now, as you came to your point about genetics, genetics plays a 50% role Mm -hmm. because that's the half we can't control. And the problem is, unfortunately, that genetics does play a part. And- I don't want people to think that it plays such a big part that, okay, everything's inevitable. It's going to happen. What's going to happen? It's out of my hands. I'm just going to roll with it. Well, I kind of like it in a different way. I have some
2: interesting genetic background. And by that, I mean, I had a grandfather on my mother's side who had a heart attack at 54 and dropped dead. My father had very serious health issues. He had ileitis and colitis. He had to have a quadruple bypass. He developed colon cancer. And, you know, that's floating around in the background. I've got it from both sides of the family. But were they sedentary? That's my first question. No, no, no. My dad, I mean, the ileitis and colitis prevented him from doing a lot. It was difficult to maintain his health, but he was a runner and a tennis player. He was very active. Okay. And my grandfather, the one who died of a heart attack, played for uh, the army basketball team. Okay. So sedentary wasn't an issue. No, it wasn't an issue. It was genetics. But my approach to that was I needed to get healthy because, you know, Regular listeners will know that I, at one point I was quite obese. I needed to get healthy because I was afraid if any of these things hit me, if I wasn't healthy enough to deal with what might be coming down the pipe, that that was going to be the end of me yeah it'd be and, two strikes well, exactly. I mean, like it's one thing to try and, and fight the good fight with cancer, but if you're already unhealthy, you know your chances aren't as good no. whereas if you make yourself as healthy as you can be, if something comes at you genetically, maybe you'll be able to deal with it better, and that's sort of motivated me. I know that's not quite a positive approach, but that's what spurred me to my health and wellness epiphany and if that helps anybody out there, fantastic
1: well I'll, t- I'll tell you along those lines, one of my best friends is in his Late 60s. I'm, I'm not going to say what number because you'll yeah. kill me. And he was given a fairly grim diagnosis this year. But the beautiful part about it is he, at his age, probably the healthiest person I've ever met. Right. I'm talking s- vigorous, insane squash three, four times a week for hours at a time. He took it on head on and he's doing great. Right. And much to the same as you, my thought process in the back was, "I thank God he was as strong and as healthy as he was when he got this diagnosis so that he can go forward and be great
2: exactly. you can you can work through the chemotherapy or whatever right. it is, whatever it is they're throwing at you that's going to throw you off if you're in a better place. But let's move on let's, okay, okay. So if our health isn't dependent solely on our genetics, if it's only
1: fifty percent, what makes up the rest? How do, how, how do we determine our health otherwise? Well, genetics essentially is a blueprint and says, okay, you are susceptible to this, you're susceptible to this, you're susceptible to this because of your genetics. Right. But it's just the word susceptible. There's right. no guarantee. And yes, the susceptibility is for certain conditions like cancer, depression, Alzheimer's disease, and there are many more. This one of the reasons people go for genetic testing is so they can understand their susceptibilities and work around them. But as I said, genetics is only half of it. What you can do, number one, is you can actually even control the genetics to some extent. And what I mean by that is lifestyle choices, specifically the food we eat, the chemicals we're exposed to, and how active we are, as well as our stress levels, not only can play a critical part in our the other half that isn't genetic, they can actually influence the genetic part. Right. Yep. They can actually have an effect so you can further reduce your risk. For example, the carcinogens in cigarette smoke and secondhand smoke directly affect molecules in our bodies, triggering the growth of cancer by mutating anti-cancer cells. So they can no longer help us fight off cancer. Uh, Having a well-balanced diet turns off genes that put you at risk for high uh, heart attack and uh, blood pressure. Exercise can actually, persuade is probably the best word, there is a far better medical word, stem cells to convert into bone and blood cells building up rather than turn into fat cells, which are, which are negative. So by making small lifestyle choices there, those three, you can actually influence the half genetic part. So it's not even half. It's much lower. Right. Now, the other half, the stuff that has no genetic component is number one, stop smoking. Yep. That, I mean, that's ma- an odd. How one. many
2: you know? Except for for one of my kids who will remain nameless. I don't know. Anybody, <laughs> I don't know anybody who's taken up smoking. You know, like it's. But just...
1: now, now with the in, with the legalization of marijuana, you should check and see. I would have said the exact same thing to you right. six months ago, maybe nine months ago. Yep. But now I've I've looked at my circle of friends and realized that some of them have actually started taking up smoking yeah, just so they could do marijuana.
2: Yeah. They're just waiting for the, the edible cannabis to be <laughs> and, and, and
1: then they'll stop. I, I hope so. I hope so too. But they should know. And listeners should also know that smoking anything, it doesn't matter what it is. Right. Is it's, bad. it's hard on your lungs. It, yep. it's, it's hard on your lungs and it also mutates cells. Right. And uh, yeah, cannabis has other benefits, but it is still negative that way. See your doctor regularly. I know that may sound obvious, but you'd be surprised how many people don't. More men than women don't. I know. But seeing your doctor regularly, because the sooner they can spot something, the sooner you can work with them to a plan to attack it and resolve it and i would say
2: it's more incumbent on people to monitor their own health and be proactive about that because now in this province there's no such thing as an annual checkup anymore you ha- if you want to be seen by a doctor you're going to have to make that appointment correct They're but no, no office is going to call you and say it's that time of year that just doesn't happen correct. anymore
1: but the other nice thing is, for example, you can check your blood pressure easily just by going to any pharmacy in the country pretty much. They've right. got those machines there, and it's free. Right. It's not even a factor of cost. Right. You have to spend the 10 minutes doing it, but that's yeah. not a big deal. Yep. Try and maintain a healthy weight. We are a culture of overeating, overindulgent, and obesity. Over 25% of people are obese, and I think we're now at about 15 to 20% are at the risk of being obese. And with obesity, your risk of everything increases dramatically.
2: Right. You know, I would say this. uh, You know, everybody is a big believer. A lot of people speak about BMI, body mass Mm -hmm. index. It's a metric. It isn't necessarily the key metric or the only metric. Oh, definitely not. But, But as a practical matter, you know, I think most people, you know, have the ability to get on a scale and understand whether or not they're 20, 30, 40% more than perhaps they were 10 years ago. And as we age, mm-hmm. we're going as we age no matter what, you retain your weight. You just do Oh, it's uh, much harder to lose. Even if you're active and I'm incredibly active, it's a struggle to lose weight. It, and it's about intake. It's not necessarily about exercise when when, it, when you're talking about weight.
1: Correct. But the, people also have to realize it's not just how much you intake, it's what you intake. Absolutely. 100%. It 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 makes a huge difference and the problem also is many people are drawn to fad diets and fad diets are just that, they're a fad.
2: We don't believe in diets on this show. We'll talk about them, but I Great. never i never espouse them. It's a lifestyle decision. If you want to be it healthy, is, yeah. it is a lifelong process that you're not going to resolve. You didn't put on the weight overnight. You ain't going to take it <laughs> off overnight.
1: No, definitely not overnight. What's next? Try to eat a healthy, balanced diet with a wide variety of fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, and whole grains every day. And please, when I say that, it drives me nuts when I'll say this time and time again, someone will go, Well, I have a nice smoothie or I have this wonderful fresh juice every day. Yeah. Juice is not a fruit. Juice is not a vegetable. Yep. Smoothies are not fruits, smoothies are not vegetables. If you can't hold it in your hand, take a big bite out of it and have to chew, it's not a fruit or a vegetable.
2: Right. <laughs> no, you need the fiber, you need all the nutrients from the fruit and the vegetable. And
1: even the water. You yep. need everything. It as a whole unit, it is essentially perfect from nature. Don't mess with it. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> Take steps to reduce stress. All of us are overstressed. And yes, some stress is good. It's a motivating factor. The problem is none of us are all good stress. And there are lots of techniques. I know, for example, your favorite one is yoga. Yep. It works. Just Taking time, smelling the roses, meditation, relaxation, deep breathing, whichever one you pick or whichever combo you pick is great because every bit of work you do there will have a payoff. Any of them at all. Get enough sleep. That's a biggie. Sleep. We are chronically under sleeping and one of the biggest offenders out there are- tablets cell phones and televisions
2: which was going to be my point to make before you just mentioned sleep <laughs> which is a great way to disconnect uh, philosophically and spiritually is to disconnect literally and that is if you don't know what's going on on social media and if you' do, if you're not busy watching the screen it's a lot easier to find your moment of peace whether and you don't have to meditate you don't have to do yoga maybe just go gardening maybe yeah. just go for a walk in the forest maybe just you know, have a lunch with a good friend that you haven't seen in a while and that will do the trick if you're not into meditation or yoga.
1: Oh, definitely. Every, as I said, every little bit helps. One of the ones we we love and we use with my son is no problem. You are more than welcome to read a book before you go to sleep but no screen time. Yep. Good idea. An hour before, no screen time. Yep. And it works. Stay mentally active. Yes. Do something. Learn an instrument. Take a course. Anything. Stay mentally active. And the other Big one, do some weight-bearing exercise. Yes. Of course, please, if you're at all concerned, talk to your doctor first. Make sure that you don't overexert and cause problems, but do something to keep your muscles moving.
2: It can be anything it doesn't need to be lifting weights in a gym it could be going for a swim it could be going for a walk or going for a walk in nature gardening is another good one you don't have to be lifting huge weights but what you do need to be doing is using your body and and not just for aerobics not hopping on a stairmaster or a bike where you're not bearing the weight correct but you're just moving your legs and getting your heart rate up that is different We're talking about moving your muscles because as your muscles grow, it's easier to keep your weight off. You get a better night's sleep. You consume more nutrients.
1: Blood pressure better. Cholesterol levels are better. It's
2: all interconnected. Yep. It's all interconnected. No question. Okay. We only have time for one more point. Some people say that, you know, having a positive attitude is something that keeps you young. Do
1: you ascribe to that? What do you think? There's no question. And there's a ton of research on it. Having a positive attitude will make you feel young, and it also improves your health. And a lot of people say, well, if I'm happy, what does it really matter? Think about it this way. Imagine it. I've seen it more than a dozen times probably this week. Yep. You have a room full of people. They're all just there. Yep. One person walks into the room, huge smile on their face, and just says, hello. The whole mood of the room changes, and people are all of a sudden happier. And they find with happiness, and when people are generally happy, it changes blood pressure, it reduces inflammation, both of which make you feel better, and metaphysically, you are better.
2: I agree. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today, but you're going to be back next month, right? Definitely. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss the treatment of a torn meniscus on the tonic. The Benvenuto Group is an owner and developer of quality high-rise condominium and rental properties in Toronto and Montreal. The Benvenuto team is passionate about delivering quality living spaces, top lifestyle amenities, important services and innovative design tailored specifically to its residents in every particular submarket. The Benvenuto Group seeks out the finest urban neighbourhoods and designs projects to allow its residents to enjoy the benefits of both their property and the exceptional locations that they become a part of. The team surrounds itself with leading professionals and consultants and pushes them to conceive great places to live, to work, and to play. The Benvenuto Group is currently designing several new projects in Toronto, Montreal, and Chicago that will not only become exceptional places to live as an owner or as a renter, but that will deliver some of the highest levels of sustainability, energy efficiency, and comfort, and will set the standard for informed residents. For more information, please visit thebenvenuto.com. Delayed medical treatments have become a widespread trend in Ontario, with patients in chronic pain waiting 10 to 20 months between a GP referral and orthopedic surgery. To beat the waiting game and regain their quality of life, Ontarians are opting for private treatment solutions and traveling abroad for their health. What a lot of them don't know is that they can find treatment options in Montreal. ICS Clinic offers quick and affordable treatment solutions by some of the most sought-after specialists in the country, without the need for a referral. For more information, visit icsmontreal.com.
1: You're listening to The Tonic on Zoomer
3: Radio.
2: My next guest, Dr. Khalil Masri, is an orthopedic surgeon at the Montreal Institute for Special Surgery, a private clinic specializing in orthopedic surgery by arthroscopy of the shoulder, elbow, hip, and knee. Over the years, Dr. Masri has gained extensive expertise in sports medicine, reconstructive surgery, and knee arthroscopy. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you?
4: I'm fine. How are you? Thank you for having me.
2: Today, we're going to talk about a very common knee injury, a meniscal tear, right? Yes. So you work with many patients and you also treat athletes at your clinic, I know that. What are the most common injuries that you see and what are the causes uh, that can be associated with them?
4: Well, uh, you see at ICS, where I work, we're seeing patients with injuries to different joints, uh, but most often we're seeing uh, patients with uh, shoulder and knee problems. Uh, I'm a knee surgeon, so I'm seeing the, um, mostly patients with knees. Um, when it comes to their injuries, the meniscal tear uh, is one of the most frequent uh, injury I see.
2: What is a meniscus and, and how does it
4: tear? Well, the meniscus is basically fibrocartilage that's inside the knee. Uh, it acts as a shock absorber and a cushion. It also acts as a stabilizer with uh, different ligaments. Uh, we have two of them. There is one on the inside part of the knee and one on the outside part. Uh, most often it's the internal meniscus that uh, that gets injured. It's about 95% of, uh, of the time. And uh, unfortunately, the meniscus is not vascularized. So uh, when it tears, the potential of it healing by itself is uh, very low. Uh, that's why um, you need to see an orthopedic surgeon because most of the time, uh, you need to have surgery to repair it or to uh, remove part of it.
2: So, just to understand, you're saying there's no blood flow to that particular. Is that what you meant?
4: Yeah, uh, actually, there is a blood flow to the periphery of the meniscus where it attaches to the capsule, which is the envelope of the of the knee. Right. These are uh, menisci that could be repaired, but uh, unfortunately, most of the time it's in the white parts, which is the part that is not vascularized, and at that point, the potential of it healing if you repair it is very low, so there is no point of repairing it, and then a few months after uh, having to remove it
2: so what types of uh, movements or things happen that would cause a meniscus to tear
4: well usually patients will say that they did a twisting motion on the knee or right. sometimes that they would be kneeling for a while and then when they stand up they will feel a pop in the knee with uh, some pain and most of the time it's on the internal part of the knee because that's where it tears most often patients will be having some swelling or some loss of range of motion um, sometimes it's uh, catching or uh, locking of the knee So that's why they will seek medical uh, attention. And from then on, um, if the physician suspects a meniscal tear, then uh, you would need to have an MRI just to to, uh, confirm the diagnosis
2: so you see uh, knee injuries almost exclusively do you note that it, it seems to correlate to aging is it when we get older do we see more of those
4: yeah well of course but, you know people are getting older and what happens is that they're remaining very active doing uh, all kinds of sports like, yeah uh, you see patients of all ages are doing skiing hiking uh, playing hockey playing tennis so uh, that so this way they're more prone to injury and uh, unfortunately once you get older the meniscus is uh, weakened because it, it becomes degenerative so there is uh, more chance of it being uh, being damaged or being torn. So,
2: is there any way to keep up the meniscus to keep it from degenerating, or or is it just going to happen as we get
4: older? Well, sometimes it's uh, your genetics, uh, sometimes it's uh, sports that you're doing. But uh, of course, if you keep a healthy um, a healthy uh, style of living, you, you'll have probably less chance of hurting yourself. So, when you're doing exercises, it's very important to to warm up and keep your muscles strong uh, around the knee. This way, uh, there is less of chance of uh, your knee uh, uh, twisting or uh, um, or um, getting injured, if you want. Um, right. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, this is like part of the prevention that you could do.
2: Well, let's talk about prevention for a minute. So I'm very active. I, I exercise about five times a week. And I'm doing some strength training, which since I've been doing this show, I've been doing it for about a year and a half. What I've learned is as we get older, and by older, I mean over 50, you know, you, you cut back on the aerobic and you increase the weight-bearing exercises because it helps us as we age. Would you agree with that?
4: Yeah, of course. But I think uh, warming up is very, very important before taking part of any physical activity, uh, especially we're talking about meniscus, especially the ones involving the twisting motions of the knee. Uh, I would say uh, you have to exercise regularly, like you're exercising five times a week. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I,
2: I'm a bit of a braggart. You're new to the show, <laughs> but our listeners are used to me. You know, oh, I do this, I do that. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> uh,
4: no, actually, I'm, uh, when I finish my interview, I'm going to, to, to. I'm 58 myself. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go for my training for regularly. So uh, it's very important. And um, I think you shouldn't overdo it because sometimes right. you get older and you, you you want to keep up with the younger ones. So it's true. Yeah have to be careful and uh, try to rest in between workouts because you know the fa- fatigue muscles will increase the risk of injury
2: so in addition to sort of doing weight bearing exercises and, and keeping moving i'm told that yoga movements are also good like stretching is important active stretching but not just sort of before and after you're doing your exercise, but in and of itself. Would you agree with that?
4: Yes, of course I would. Yeah, Uh, I would say it's very important to stretch before, but even more important to stretch stretch after. Right. Uh, Most of the time we finish our workout, we take a shower, we we go for for, for a meal or for a beer or something, and we forget to stretch after. So uh, it's very important.
2: Other than stretching and and keeping up the strength, is there anything else we can do to prevent knee injuries? Is there a diet that we can have that might help with that?
4: Yeah, of course. If you keep a healthy diet, it is going to help you. Uh, we're seeing uh, patients who smoke have less of a chance of it healing because sometimes meniscus could heal by themselves if the the injury is small and it's in the periphery of the meniscus. So we know that uh, patients who smoke have uh, less of a chance of healing. So I would say, yeah, exercise regularly, uh, eat well and uh, don't smoke and don't drink excessively.
2: Okay, so let's say I was working out and I felt some pain in the knee, which has happened to me before. Mm-hmm. How would I know that I've torn my meniscus? What are the signs?
4: Well, pain is the first sign that you, you, you will have. It's, it's gonna be consistent pain. It doesn't have to be 24 hours a day, but uh, sometimes, especially when you do some twisting of the knee, so you'll have some pain. That's the number one. There could be some swelling. It's not always there, but sometimes swelling is there. Uh, I would say catching or feeling that something is not normal in my knee. So patients will say uh, that's even before we get the MRI, so we don't know right. what they have. They see us early because they, they, sometimes they, they decide to come to a private clinic before seeing anyone else. So the the symptoms are pain and something is going on in my knees. It could be catching, it could be locking, and there is some stiffness. And of course, when you do exam, you have some specific tests that you can do uh, in order to suspect a meniscal tear. But um, it won't heal by itself. So it's pain that's you know, sometimes you can have some, some days or some weeks without pain, but uh, most of the time it's going to catch up with you.
2: Okay. When you say it doesn't heal. So, I mean, but you know, this could also de- describe sort of like a muscle pull or, or a bruise. Mm-hmm. Is there something unique to the meniscus tear? Like, is, is it a lack of stability or anything like that?
4: Well, actually it's going to be pain and it's going to be some um, mechanical problem. It's okay. Gonna be, because the meniscus that tears sometimes is going to move inside the knee. So the patient will say it's either cracking or catching or even and locking, so that, okay. that's how we suspect them.
2: Okay, so let's assume you have uh, an issue with your meniscus. Where do you go from there? So, I come to see you. What, what are my options? What happens next?
4: Well, if you don't have your MRI done or you, you don't even have an X-ray, so we are seeing patients uh, without any referrals, so uh, if I suspect a meniscal tear, I'm, I'm going to do the exam, which will maybe confirm that uh, my suspicion, and then I'm going to ask for an X-ray and an MRI. Uh, MRI is the gold standard to, to, um, to diagnose the meniscal tear and once we have the tear if uh, we catch the patient early and the meniscus is repairable we're going to repair it because uh, we don't have any waiting list in the private clinic uh, so sometimes we see, we see those patients and we can repair them and uh, if it's not repairable we are going to operate on them early but uh, at, at this point, we're going to remove part of the meniscus.
2: Okay, so w- with a procedure like that, is that uh, outpatient? Uh, for yeah, of the- course,
4: it's a day surgery. Uh, usually, it's done under spinal anesthesia. Right. Uh, recovery is very quick because uh, you're permitted to walk on it uh, on the operated, operated like the day of surgery. And uh, usually patients are back to normal within three to four weeks.
2: I would imagine there's a fair bit of rehab that's necessary after. Is that true or uh,
4: not all the time? You oh see, really? Yeah, sometimes. Uh, well, uh, for my patients, anyways, I see them a week after surgery to uh, to check on them to make sure that everything is fine. Of course, if patients can go to physiotherapy, it's going to um, be better for them because the the rehab will be faster. But it's uh, such a minor surgery that mm, sometimes patients don't even go to physiotherapy. We'll, we'll show them some exercises to do, and uh, they'll be doing them at home or in the gym. And uh, three four weeks after, there's no more pain, and back you go to your regular activities.
2: So even somebody like me who's exercising pretty vigorously can get right back on the horse? Uh.
4: Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> although
2: I don't do any writing uh, uh, so going forward after you have an issue with your meniscus is there something that you need to do in order to prevent it from happening again are you susceptible to more tears once you have one
4: no actually once you you are operated we're removing part of it unless we repaired it but repair is um, less frequent uh, so patients we we, we are just uh, gonna tell them to make sure that they warm up you know the the, the, the exercise regularly but uh, it's very rare that we see patient uh, twice for the same thing so
2: you're not putting bionics or robotics in the knee, are you? Like, we don't end we don't, we don't up stronger than before, do we? No, you're not. <laughs> That's too bad. That would be something. I would come to you. If you could give me bionic knees, I would come to Montreal in a heartbeat.
4: Maybe in a couple of years. I think
2: you should look into it, doctor. I really do.
4: Hopefully, I'll see you with, uh, and you won't need my, 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 my treatments.
2: Exactly. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. That's all the time we have.
4: Thank you for having me.
2: When you come back on the show, I think, I think it's next week, we're going to discuss ACL injuries. Yeah. Right? Yeah,
4: we're coming back next week for ACS, of
2: course. Fantastic. We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang formulations are created on their 40,000-square-foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit omegaalphainc.com. Jack Nathan Health offers Canadians convenient care with 74 multidisciplinary clinics located within Walmart stores. The largest ever Jack Nathan Health Medical Center is now open in Vaughan, Ontario at 8300 Highway 27. The new 8300 square foot clinic offers integrated services for the whole family, including family medicine, physiotherapy and chiropractic, chronic pain management, massage and a registered dietitian. There's also an on-site Dynacare blood laboratory plus same-day referrals, walk-in appointments and a new annual health assessment option. Jack Nathan Health is a one-stop shop for proactive health management. For more information, visit jacknathanhealth.com.
0: This is The Tonic
3: on Zoomer Radio.
2: Welcome back. Our next guest, George Barakat, co-founded Jack Nathan Health in 2006, where he cultivated the company from a lean startup to a leader in Canadian healthcare, servicing over 2 million patients across Canada. George has helped shape a new healthcare format by improving access to quality primary care in state-of-the-art medical clinics in retail environments across the country. Today, George is an authority on healthcare and in business, and has traveled extensively nationally and internationally, building and sustaining important global relationships and partnerships. Thanks for coming on the show today. My pleasure, Jamie. Thanks for having me. So we're going to discuss how to get the type of treatment usually associated with executive private clinics, but available now to everybody, right?
0: Absolutely. It should be available to everybody. We um we live in a world where or in a country where we believe that healthcare is our right. Yes. We take it one step further. Where what we want to do at Jack Nathan Health is we would like everybody to live their best life. Mm-hmm. How we do that is is our ability to co locate medical services in one location. Prime example of that is our new Vaughn clinic right. at Highway seven and twenty seven just north of Toronto.
2: Mm-hmm. So the idea is uh, that people can come in and they can get series of tests and treatments and help them along the way to better health. And what we're going to be talking about today is early detection and why it's so important.
0: Early detection actually is everything. And in the past, that was one of the succinct opportunities for us to look at how do we develop a patient engagement and physician engagement model. To do that, uh, we have noticed... Uh, quite currently, that everybody would like to have more information in advance about their healthcare. You see a lot of people running around with Fitbits, heart monitors, glucose cuff monitors, and any other kind of device that would give them any indication on how they could not just change their life, but improve their life. Well, the ability to customize healthcare is about how do we connect those wearables into a platform and then transfer that information up to your physician so it's summarized almost in a Salesforce-type dashboard so that it can be meaningful. The real answer to that question is, how do we customize the healthcare experience? How do we take what metrics have been calculated or looked at by a patient, and how does a doctor actually utilize that information so that now they can extend the conversation and say, you know what, uh, we should get you over to the Dietitian Dietitian's a very important part of your life that could actually change you from uh, having to increase a dosage of a medication to how now you can be more proactive. You could be a diabetic or have uh, diabetes in any form and do four to six leucometer readings a day, and yet you see your physician every 30 days. That conversation could be customized and improved to, look, I can see your circulation's off. Why don't we get you over to the chiropodist and maybe increase circulation through a new pair of orthotics? All of that information today has been reactive. What we'd like to do is make it a little more proactive.
2: Right. I I, I think uh, you're right. I think uh, you know, we're all now getting used to the idea of immediate biofeedback through Fitbits and other devices, but we're not necessarily sure what that all means. And how, you know, because we're not doctors, and and we don't know how that can be utilized best to improve our health. You know, I know how many steps a day I'm taking, but how does that really translate into into better health? Well, unless you're listening to a show like this, or unless you're going to see your doctor, you may not recognize that. But it allows the doctor to, to take those steps. So, what's the best way to facilitate early detection?
0: Well, the best way to facilitate early detection is to monitor your body. And the best monitor in most cases is how you feel. Again, we're connecting ourselves to several devices, but what do those devices mean? Right. You know, does it mean we should walk more, generate more steps? More specific devices are going to tell us exactly if we have a chronic disease or chronic pain management occurrence. However, Those devices without, and the information those devices produce without connected to your physician, uh, they can become a little more lackluster and you can tend to fall off uh, using them for any any distinct period of time. Now, imagine a world where you could measure your metrics and all of that information would be interpreted by your physician, but then they would lead to an action plan. That's what we believe is the future. We will have... Uh, Definitely a connected environment. Uh, We're working on something that's going to be very revolutionary, what we believe. But more importantly, it's going to fit in our stage two business model. Stage one would be opening up this multidisciplinary, just under 9,000 square foot medical center inside the Walmart. Uh, Stage two will be now, how do we connect the patient to that incredible medical experience where there are zero wait times for referrals within our medical
2: and I, and I think and I think that's part of the yeah. frustration. I mean, we all appreciate having a public health system that runs the way it does in this province. Mm-hmm. But I think wait times, I think, are a real issue for people. You know, once you once you realize you may have an issue, getting to see the specialist who's really going to help you carry through the plan necessary to get better, uh, you know, waiting just seems counterintuitive. It doesn't seem to make sense to anybody.
0: Well, I, waiting in general is something we've been accustomed to. Let's say you would visit a walk-in clinic or you, right. you have to wait time to see your physician. Right. What we are also accustomed to, but it shouldn't be, is waiting to see the next step, right. the referral. right? Now, at Jack Nathan Health, in the Vaughn Clinic, within the Walmart, you do not have to wait for a referral. So if the doctor says, we need to get you over to the Dynacare blood lab next, right inside the clinic, right. you're going to get seen today. If the doctor recommendation is, uh, let's get you over to Vivify, our dietitian program, you're going to get to see the dietitian today. Same with our chronic pain management or physiotherapy.
2: That's fantastic. So if I came to your business, what's the difference between the assessment that I would get there versus a checkup that I would get from my doctor?
0: Is there, is there a difference? Well, there's a huge difference. I mean, and that is a, that's a great point. And you know what we do have? We have something at our Jack Nathan Health Center in Vaughan called the annual health assessment. Right. Annual health assessment is incredible. Gives you the opportunity to come in, do all of your metrics, including an ECG, including having your blood and specimens taken, consulting with a doctor, visiting with a dietitian, visiting with a physiotherapist, and have a report card at the end of the day, all for $495. Executive health at an OHIP level.
2: Okay, so if I'm coming in and I don't necessarily have uh, a dietary issue or a rehab issue, am I going to see a dietitian or a rehab specialist necessarily as part of this assessment? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. so it's for everybody. It's so- for
0: everybody. It takes about uh, three to four hours to conclude. Okay. We, we give you um, opportunity to sit in our education area where we right. provide food and, and drink for you to relax. Or if you'd rather browse the store, we have this handy paddle pager, low-tech device, right. offered to any one of our customers or patients right. where you can use downtime and uptime. So what are the sorts of things? So if I came in and I was, take, I was getting an assessment, what sort of things
2: would you be able to identify on the spot as health issues?
0: Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I believe there uh, there could be health issues that you would never believe or never understand could possibly uh, imagine. Some things, uh, for example, as simple as prediabetes or okay. being prediabetic. Again, the conversation has to begin at some point. Right. What we do with that conversation according to the physician and how the physician uses your information your health care information so they can take it to the next level or next step is all a journey that should conclude with a proactive plan for you uh, so
2: does that plan develop like so if i came to visit you let's say this afternoon sure would i get that plan this afternoon or or, or is there a, a delay with like a, a report that comes out or
0: at the end of an annual health assessment you yeah. get the report same day oh wow same day Yes. Okay. Yes, you do. Uh, you know, our objective, honestly, we want to see everybody live their best life. We believe to do that, you have to customize healthcare. Okay. So this is outside of
2: OHIP, right? Like these assessments or, or is it OHIP covered?
0: Uh, well, the majority of it is OHIP covered because the majority of services, including your blood lab and your visit with your physician, is definitely covered under OHIP. Okay. What uh, we charge for the additional or the $495 right. covers off the physiotherapy and uh, The Dietitian, which not necessarily isn't necessarily covered by Hope. However, we do have third-party insurance, Right. and we do offer, actually, launching June 1st, we have um, created a partnership with Great West Life. If okay. you're looking to supplement uh, your existing insurance program or don't have an existing insurance program, you can definitely log on to jacknathanhealth.com. which will take you over to a link to uh, our Great West Life exclusive program, uh, which includes an instant credentialing with uh, no prior uh, health care occurrences where you could sign up and have insurance same day.
2: So this is uh, for health insurance, and it's for any age? Any age, Okay. And, and if I understand you correctly, even if you have pre existing conditions, you qualify for this
0: type of coverage? Yes, you do. And there is, again, an instant program which, if you wanted to pay, you could have insurance same day. Zero oh, wow. credentialing. Wow. Mm hmm. So what you're saying
2: is, uh, presuming you qualify and go through those steps, then the $495 would be covered from from an insurance perspective?
0: Right? Well, it, it depends. I, I okay. think there's still me, it might be some out of pocket. However, and today, more, majority of that 495 could be covered could be, again, covered right. by your third-party insurance, you'd have to check with them. Okay. So uh, let's say I came in to Jack
2: Nathan, and for whatever reason, I was diagnosed with something, you called it prediabetes, but a, a condition where there's some health risk. What are next steps? Uh, do I I get to see somebody right away, but what happens after that? Do I continue treatment there?
0: Yeah, that would depend on the severity of what was being identified. I mean, those are conversations we believe that you should have with your physician. Okay. And Fortunately, at the Jack Nathan Health Center in Vaughan, your physician has, within the Walmart walls, an entire caveat of services, including the pharmacist at the Walmart, which is trained in diabetes education, just to use it as right, an example. Right, to use the example. He's yeah. a di- registered diabetes educator. So, you know, those are great conversations. We believe that they should be had with your doctors. The fact we give our doctors at Jack Nathan Health all of the tools and the referrals and the opportunity to extend that conversation is the epitome of what a customized healthcare experience should look like. Fantastic.
2: Unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Will you come back another time and tell us more about this? It would be my pleasure, and I would be happy to give you an update anytime. Fantastic. Thank you, Jamie. We've got to take a short break, but when we return, we're going to discuss our gut health on The Tonic. Alamax Canada is the company that delivers real, bioactive, stabilized allicin, Using only the freshest garlic from Spain, Alamax is the trusted source for a high-quality and effective allicin supplement. The manufacturers of Alimax have dedicated their time to researching this fascinating plant and all of its antimicrobial and antibacterial benefits. To fight infection and stay well, take Alimax. For more information, visit Alamax.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Bussin. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine, Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighbourhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic Talk Show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This is The Tonic
0: on
3: Zoomer Radio.
2: Shauna Lindzen is a registered dietitian with over 25 years of nutrition experience. She worked as a clinical dietitian at Sunnybrook Health Science Centre in nephrology and neurosurgery for 12 years. Since leaving the clinical setting, she's been working in the community as a consulting dietitian. She is a program developer and nutrition leader at Wellspring Cancer Support Network and enjoys seeing clients virtually and doing corporate wellness lectures. Most recently, she's developed cooking demonstrations that combine scientific knowledge with a culinary education for her clientele. Her demonstrations are unique, informative, delicious, and a lot of fun. You can find a list of her nutrition classes and recipes at shaunalindzen.com. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. When I get philosophical, and by that I mean when I'm drunk, um, Mm -hmm. I entertain some strange thoughts, and one such thought I recently had is that humanity is nothing more than a transportation service for bacteria. Mm-hmm. and uh, because each and every one of us are liter- uh, within us are literally millions and millions of bacteria floating around in our guts, right? Exactly. So we should be concerned about how to keep ourselves healthy in that context with with gut health, right?
3: Yeah, and it's interesting. I, I recently read somewhere that we actually have two to three pounds. Of bacteria in our gut.
2: Yeah, I just got on the scale this morning. I'm going to say there's probably more than two or three pounds, but yeah. And
3: we have healthy bacteria. We have not so healthy bacteria. Right. So the um, key is to keep the balance more on the healthy bacteria side than the not healthy bacteria side. Right. Now, the next question is going to be, how do we do this? Right. So, first of all, it's in this sense, it is you are what you eat because what you put into your mouth goes into your stomach, goes follows down into your intestine and then down into your um, colon, right? right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you eat... Um, Probiotics, which are the healthy bacteria, the interesting thing about healthy bacteria is they don't proliferate, which means they don't start spreading. They end up getting pooped out. Right. So what you need to do is you actually need to eat them every single day.
2: Right. The issue is with our modern diets, not everybody is getting the right amount of probiotics into their system, correct?
3: Absolutely. And there's two ways to do it. The first way is to actually consume the probiotic right. in a form like yogurt, kefir, and but we have to have them in the live form because in order to make something like yogurt, they put in bacteria, but the bacteria do not survive our stomach acid. Okay. So what they have to do is they have to add live bacteria or active culture back into the yogurt. So if you read the label, it will say contains live bacteria. If it doesn't say that, they're dead.
2: Okay. And if the bacteria is dead to you, they're no good to
3: you. They're no good to you. And the other thing is you can kill off bacteria by heating it. So if you make, let's say, a muffin with some yogurt in it, they're dead. Right.
2: Okay. So, so what you're saying is if you're get if you're attempting to get probiotics through your diet through the foods you're eating has to be live and you can't cook with it because that's going to kill it.
3: It kills it off. And the other thing is there are lots of um, fermented foods like kimchi, um, sauerkraut, sauerkraut, miso, um, tempeh. And these foods are, Um, fermented. And what does that mean? It means that the bacteria, the healthy bacteria have grown inside the food. Right. So if they're kept in a wet environment and a cold environment, they are going to stay alive. So for instance, if you consume kimchi, sauerkraut, everything we just talked about, you are putting those live bacteria into your gut. Now, why do we want these? That should be the next question. Why right? do we want these? Why do we want these? So we want these to support um about seventy to eighty percent of our immune system is um, generated in our intestine. Hmm. So we want it to support our immune system. We want it to support our gut health. What does that mean? It means to get everything moving down nicely. Our ability
2: to digest the nutrients and expel the extras.
3: Exactly. And some nutrients rely on the probiotics, like vitamin K, for instance. It's, it relies on the probiotics in your intestine. So if you don't have the good bacteria, some of your metabolic process, processes or processes aren't working well.
2: Okay, so you know I can think of some other things that we might consume as food that are probiotic, like uh, kombucha is another good one. Mm -hmm. But if we're not if we're not having the fermented foods and we're not having the uh, yogurt cultures or kefir, which is exclusively live, then we're not getting the probiotics we need. Then right?
3: Well, there's one caveat there. If we are consuming, um, if we aren't consuming the probiotics through. Eating the fermented foods, if we are eating fiber, what happens is the fiber, specifically um, non digestible fiber, which is um, some of the insoluble fibers, there's something called prebiotics in that, like inulin. Have you heard of inulin before? So, inulin is in something like Jerusalem artichoke. or celery, it's a non-digestible fiber that, if you ha- if you eat that and it's in your gut specifically, it moves down into your colon. The inulin, the good bacteria will start eating away at that. So the prebiotics are the food for the probiotics. Right. And so, if you're not so into the fermented food, my suggestion is increase your fiber.
2: Okay, and like I have oatmeal every day. Is that... That's a good source. Yeah.
3: So oatmeal is mostly a soluble fiber. Right. And if you have oatmeal with... Um I actually have a great recipe I should give to you. It's by Michael um, Smith. He made um, He made up a recipe that has oatmeal with lentils in it. Have you right. ever done that?
2: No, I would not do that. Oh. I'm telling you right now. You, <laughs> you, give, me you, you give me the recipe. You give me the recipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, throw it'll, it. <laughs> it'll sit on my desk. And oh yeah, Shauna gave that to me, yeah. but I'm never. met. No, because it's breakfast. And I'm yeah. having lentils for you, breakfast. But
3: get this, Jamie, if you cook in some red lentils yeah. into the oatmeal, you're increasing your protein.
2: We've had lentil fights at my house. I just oh, really? I, I, I can't abide by lentils. Yeah. It's not my thing. I, yeah. I like legumes. I, mm-hmm. I just lentils aren't my favorite.
3: What I like about lentils are they disintegrate into the soluble fiber. So okay. you're getting um, it's it's an interesting recipe. I know my eyes kind of popped out of my head when I first saw it, but I tried it, and they're really neutral in flavor. So you kind of get the both, the best of, both, best of both worlds. You get the soluble fiber. You get the insoluble fiber. Okay. You keep full. So it's like the satiety factor is good.
2: Okay. For the purpose of this show, I'm going to say I have an open mind.
3: Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So I have an open mind. I should should make it it for you and drop it off at your house and you'll try it because you're too scared to make it. But think about it. Google Michael Smith oatmeal red lentils. You shove some walnuts in there. You put some strawberries in there and whoa, are you good for prebiotics. You're good for fiber, soluble and insoluble. And that's going to really feed the good bacteria. Okay. your colon.
2: I, I have a, you know, we have a a very good vegetable forward diet in our house. So mm-hmm. like, I'm, you know, I'm eating those vegetables that have the fiber as well. So I just don't have it in the oatmeal, the soluble Yeah,
3: fiber. which okay. is great. No, yeah. but I'm happy to hear you do do the fiber in the morning because that's a great time to get the fiber in. yep um Drink plenty of fluid to... Push the fiber down, yep. and that's probably you. Probably have a, a good satiety from that. Like you're not too hungry until.
2: I, if I have oatmeal for breakfast, I'm good till one or two in the afternoon to have lunch. Isn't
3: that great? Like yep. that is what I want to hear because yep. you're you're. It's fantastic for your satiety yep. and your brain power,
2: and also makes you regular. So there absolutely,
3: you go. there yep. you
2: go. Too much information there. <laughs> um, TMI. So should we have probiotics? every day? Is it necessary? You have
3: to have them every day just because they keep on, you keep pooping them out. So you actually need to put them into your body somehow daily. And then you just, your flora will change as you continue to eat them. So the next day you put them back in because they don't, they don't keep growing.
2: What are your thoughts on supplements? If we're not getting them from our diet, Are you pro supplement or anti supplement?
3: Um, With probiotics, it is difficult to get them through the diet if you're not having fermented. So I'm kind of in the middle with supplements because I would rather you have it in a cold, wet environment. So if you're having a supplement, I'd like a refrigerated supplement. If you buy a supplement on the shelf, they could be dead. And you're not get. you're just wasting your money. Oh. So for instance, some yogurt companies will actually guarantee that the probiotic is like 1 billion right, cultures right. per the whatever, three quarters of a cup. And with the supplements on the shelf that aren't refrigerated, it's difficult to guarantee that they're alive.
2: Hmm guarantee? I'm wondering how that guarantee works. How would you know one way or the they, other? They
3: actually checked your their, your stool samples and they see that they're alive in your poop. That's how okay. they guarantee
2: it. You, you send it on to them? You do send,
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's how the studies guarantee it, yeah.
2: Okay, we only have time for, for one more question. Is there any contraindications or concerns you would have with somebody taking probiotics?
3: You don't want to actually when we are talking about supplements you don't want to overdo it because it could cause some gas pain. It can cause diarrhea if you overdo it. Some of the products out there boast that they have like 50 billion probiotics that might give you stomach upset yeah that is a negative consequence if you overdo the probiotics but culinary wise if you just drink um let's say some kefir or some kombucha you'll be okay
2: fantastic unfortunately that's all the time we have today but you're going to be back next month to discuss protein
3: right absolutely looking forward to it fantastic thank you jane
2: Thank you for listening to The Tonic. You can download this episode as a podcast on zoomaradio.ca and thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us on Facebook at The Tonic Talk Show. Or you can follow me on Instagram at jamiebusson. For great articles written by Joel Thuna, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. Tonic's available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or coming on the show, you can email me at jamie at tonictoronto.com. Please join us next week on The Tonic when we'll discuss treating an ACL injury. The Secrets of Growing Old, and Cooking for People with Food Allergies and Preferences. Until then, this is Jamie Bussin wishing you a healthy and happy week.
0: Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.